Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 24 of the podcast. And you know the drill by now, if you've heard an episode before, great guest today. Some thoughts from me before we get into the show. So uh, if you heard the last podcast, I teased at the fact that I was going to Cabo San Lucas and that there was a great challenge required for me to overcome in order to go. And I'll share that with you now. So when I was in Miami, it's probably about two weeks ago by the time you're listening to this. I had an opportunity to go to Cabo San Lucas with a very short window, maybe a week and a half to figure this out. And one thing I knew right away was that I needed a passport. Well, apparently, I'm the only 41-year-old born in America without a passport. That's what everybody tells me, but never had a passport. So I didn't think it was even possible to get one that soon, so I did my research. And there is a couple options. There's an emergency option, which I didn't qualify for, and there is one called urgent travel. And it is for people who have 14 days or less before they're supposed to go on a trip, and you have to have proof of, like, flights or hotel. And I'm like, well, this is kind of scary. So, like, what if it doesn't work out? Uh, first thing we did is buy non-refundable flights. We have flights, and I don't have a guarantee that I'm going to get a passport. And what I have to do is I have to secure an appointment with a dedicated office somewhere in the United States before my trip and hope that I get a passport in one day. And I did all kinds of research on it for people it worked out for, people didn't work out for, etc. So kind of scary, but here's kind of the scenario. If I can get to Cabo on this trip, I know it'll be time well spent in business. ROI positive, a great use of my time. Now, in order to make it possible to pull it off, it's going to require a bunch of money out of my pocket and a bunch of inconvenience. So kind of the point here is how bad do you want it, whatever it may be? You say you want to raise a million dollars or you want to raise $50 million this year in your business. Are you actually willing to do what it takes to get to where you want to go? That's the soul-searching moment I want you to reflect on right here for a second. So... I had to spend a bunch of money. I basically, I'll just tell you, I spent 1500 bucks to go to El Paso, Texas for one day. That's round-trip flights. That's cost of the expedited passport. And nothing's guaranteed. So I also bought flights to Mexico and back, non-refundable. There's another grand. 2500 bucks. nothing guaranteed. I've got to spend a day traveling there and spend a day traveling back. Not fun. Honestly, coming back, couldn't get out of El Paso. Then I got to Dallas, couldn't get out of Dallas. Got home at about 3.30 a.m. this past Saturday for me. So a lot of money, uh, a lot of fatigue, a lot of discomfort involved. But guess what? Got the passport in four hours. Did my research. Got everything I needed before I went. Triple checked it, then triple checked it again. Checked this thing like a crazy person. But if you set a goal and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it, like for real... Stuff happens. Good stuff happens. Now, is it guaranteed? No, but it's guaranteed not to work if you don't try. There you go. All right. In this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to a great guest. Her name is Angie Aki. She's the founder of Ohana Investment Partners. 
And here's a bit about what I know about Angie. Been a real estate investor for five plus years. She has executed over a hundred real estate transactions, so definitely not a rookie. And she's got an equity share at over 800 doors. We had a great conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get into it now. Hey, Angie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I would love to hear it. I'm going to ask you a little bit different question than normal, but I'd love to hear how you got started with capital raising, marketing, and sales. And it's it's going to be fun because that's kind of my world as well. So let's hear that story. Well, it goes back about 20 years, but I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. So <laughs> uh, I graduated with a hospitality and marketing degree and meant to go into uh, sales and hospitality. I always knew I wanted to do sales. I grew up, my father was a salesperson. I saw the flexibility of schedule and that was really attractive and I knew I could kind of chart my own course. So I knew I wanted to be in sales. Unfortunately, I graduated with a hospitality and marketing degree in December of 2001. So right after September 11th. So obviously had to find a job, found myself in uh, printing sales and then payroll sales. And then I ended up the large uh, portion of my corporate career was in pharmaceutical sales. So I've been in sales for over 20 years. I love sales. I know people think I'm crazy. It's okay. I love sales. I, my husband and I are both salespeople. We always say nothing happens till someone sells something. I'm a firm believer in that. So sales and marketing is really intriguing. I left the uh, corporate world in July of 2019. I had had enough of pharmaceutical sales. It treated me very well, but quite frankly, I did not want to do it anymore and had no passion for it. So I left to get into wholesaling single family houses. So if you're listening and you're not sure what wholesaling is, to boil it down to the basics, you're in essence getting a property under contract with the seller, finding an end buyer and uh, selling that contract for whatever that price is with the seller plus whatever margin you want to make is. And so I did that. Quite frankly, I think it's one of the fastest paths to cash in real estate investing. It suited my skills really well as far as sales and marketing. And I did very well out of the gates with that. Just myself and a couple other people that I had on my team. And then I had a little bit of an aha moment at the end of 2021 and said, hey, I've built this business that I don't love because it's really active as far as active uh, real estate investing. And you you really have no control in wholesaling. You're not the buyer and you're not the seller. Nope. Uh, so. Right around that time, I stumbled upon uh, commercial real estate investing, and I'm a very logical person and went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's based on finances. It's based on revenue and expenses, cap rates and NOIs, and kind of fell in love with it. And as part of the team with, with syndications and commercial real estate investing, a lot of it is a team sport. Before I launched Ohana Investment Partners, I spent the last part of 2021 really digging into what I like, what I'm good at, what I want to do, and the value that I could bring to a team as far as syndications. So here we are. I'm still in sales and marketing. I love working with the investors I work with, and I love working with the operators I work with too. So I spend a lot of time vetting the operators and sponsor teams that, that I will work with, and I really work with a lot of my investors almost like like a family or a community, hence the name Ohana. Very nice. Beautiful. And the good thing about your personality is you seem like a people person to me. So that sales and that marketing, it's so natural. 
it's like you feel empty if you don't do it, you know? So I've got a buddy, this is kind of off topic, entrepreneur like me, we started in the same area about the same time and he hates sales. Like he hates the sales calls and he hires somebody else to do it. And I was like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't do that. I would wither up and die at the side. Like I need, and my daughter's the same way. I need people to, to recharge and feel alive. So we're all different, but when you can play to your strengths, it's great. doesn't feel like work, you know? It doesn't feel like you're pushing the boulder up the mountain. So it, it is. I host local events here in Orlando as well. I met some of my investors last week that I had never met in person. They came to my event. So that was really cool. Um, but I do. I love people. I love what I do. And it's all in the sales and marketing funnel. Very, very nice. So when you're working with syndication teams, is there typical asset classes or markets that you kind of find yourself involved with? Or, or what are your thoughts there? So markets, yes. Asset classes or asset types, I should say no. So the markets that I specialize in are the uh, Southeast and the Sunbelt states. I'm in Orlando, Florida. I understand sunshine. I understand the Southeast, right? So when we start talking about radiators and snow and I, I just, I have no idea. So I am really comfortable with the Sunbelt states and the Southeast markets. I understand that it makes sense to me based on the migration patterns and employment coming to those locations. I know there are great investments, for instance, in the Midwest. I'm not educated enough to be able to uh, vet those offerings well enough, to be quite frank. So I stick within the Southeast and Sunbelt states as far as markets. As far as asset classes and types, I don't. So my goal and my vision within Ohana Investment Partners is be able to work with investors like yourself or someone that would come on board as an investor and help them diversify within Ohana Investment Partners. Yeah. So maybe diversification between the operations team or the sponsor team, maybe it's the asset type. So I will work with, with teams on multifamily or apartments. We have a short-term rental fund also that I'm working on. I'm a fund manager on this year. We did this last year as well. It was very successful. We're doing it again. Land entitlements. So I've worked with teams on land entitlements. I'm looking for some storage deals. So if you know of any, please let me know. I mean, I know some people do specialize in asset classes and asset types, and I think that's probably right for them. But I want people to get more comfortable both with working with me and then also the operations team or operator team and sponsors that I'm bringing to the table. And then we can diversify from there. I think that's really smart. And your strategy there is really aligned with what, what I'm trying to do as well, right? It, it just makes so much sense. Diversification within your company. It's so smart. So I love it. Love it. Love it. So when you think about the real estate investing journey for you, what were the simple marketing strategies that allowed you to start attracting investors? What worked for you? Relationships. I'm a huge relationship person. I do like, this is my happy place. Like you said, this feeds me, right? This gets me going. I love meeting with people. I love talking to people, understanding what their investment goals are. I spoke with an investor a couple of weeks ago. He's based out of California. You know, I get to learn, unfortunately, his child had some brain trauma. So I understand that family a little bit better. And I think when you understand your investors a little bit better, you're vested in them. Because my goal, right, and going back to I wanted to create an Ohana, a community, a family. So I really, and this sounds so cheesy, but I really believe together 
we can do amazing things, right? So I want to create generational wealth together for multitude of different families. And then we can impact communities that we're investing in. And I firmly believe in the ripple effect. So I think a lot of that is creating that community. And so a lot of my investors have come from relationships and network. And now they're coming through referrals, which is great. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing for people watching and listening, showing the the real authentic side of you and making the human connection. What a concept. Works really well, but people try to avoid it. I know. I understand why my marketing doesn't work. Because you sound like a robot and nobody's going to resonate with your horrible approach to your message. Like, do you really not know? You know? I know. What works face-to-face, you just talk to people the same way online. And if you're authentically yourself, you're going to attract some people, repel others, and beautiful things happen if you just do it right. Mm-hmm. And for people uh, that are wired like you and I, it's just like you said, we both said, so natural and so easy and it's so enjoyable to do. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Some of it's not scalable. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm hosting events and I, you know, I've talked to some people and they're like, oh, you have to do this on LinkedIn and this on LinkedIn. And like, you're DMing everyone and follow me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a full-time job. So that I don't love. Yeah. Right. So I do outsource a lot of that and then I'll go in and, and comment and do stuff like that. But you have to do what works really well. And so even for me, I prefer face-to-face events, but I also do webinars. I also do connect on social media. It's just not as natural for me, right? But I know in order to scale, I have to do that. And then too, but once you start doing it, I mean, I'm planning an event for the fall of this year. So, and it's going to be for investors, right? And so I want to still meet people. Yeah. Um, and so is that scalable? I don't know, maybe not. But at the end of the day, you don't need 10,000 investors. You really don't. Yeah. You need a core group of investors that know, like, and trust you and want to invest with you and rent and repeat. Yep. I was talking to somebody the other day, last week, and we were talking about the same thing. It was like, you know, whether you're looking for clients, you're looking for investors, you don't need as many as you think to really make a big impact on your company and their company and your team. It's just about getting the right people there for the right reasons, you know? And once I started to actually see that work in my business, like, holy cow. So that is true. It's a lot lower than I thought. And it's uh, it's a great thing. It, it's It alleviates a lot of stress if you hear that and you embrace that as truth as well. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball. What would you say the the biggest mistake is you've made in marketing or your biggest regret so far? If uh, any. Uh, oh, I mean, come on. There's always something. The biggest mistake is I was working on a, a course and marketing a course because I do really like to inspire and coach people. So I created a course and I hired a marketing team to market it. And so I found that in my experience, it's very difficult to outsource something completely without having your hands on it and some capacity. Yep. The human nature is like, oh, I want you to go do this for me. So there's a fine line between saying, hey, I'm not good at this or I suck at this or whatever it is, right? And I need to outsource this, but you still have to have some type of of knowledge of oversight on it um, or feedback. So that was an epic failure. And that was um, that was a lot of money down the drain, to be quite frank. And then once I started marketing it myself a little more organically, 
you know, it kind of picked up. I ended up shutting it down and working on repurposing a couple things to focus more on real estate investing and, and some mindset stuff. But it's more organic. It doesn't have to go out to the masses. You don't have to have 8,000 clients. You really don't. You know, you need people that resonate with you and that you resonate. And that's also with people you hire, right? I hired this marketing team. They sucked. I'm just going to put it out there. There were a lot of bad ones out there. I know that. They were horrible. Now I have a great marketing team, but they came referred from a girlfriend of mine. I know, like, and trust yeah. this team. They're amazing. They're already like family. So it's pulling the trigger and expecting something to be completely done for you. You still have to have, as a business owner, some type of insight or understanding, in my experience. Yeah, it's it's great. Like we tell people who hire us for our project, like it's as done for you as it can be, but it is not totally done for you because there's things you need to do I can't do for you because I'm not you. We're, we're going to save you dozens of hours. We're there for all the support. We'll train you, but there's stuff that you need to do. And we very clearly lay that out because I hear somebody say, I need a done for you project. I say, well, it's not happening with what we do. Let me explain because it's important to set expectations. I've got a question for you because I know what you like. How do you think mindset and belief play into the new investor getting started trying to build that business or even for the new entrepreneur? What are your thoughts on that? So let me quantify. Uh, mindset, I, I have clarity on what you are asking. But when you say belief, do you mean faith or belief in yourself or both? Uh, both, whatever, whatever you want it to mean. Yeah. I think both are the foundation of everything that you're going to do, right? So if you are going to build a business, if you are a new investor, whether you're active or passive and you don't have the mindset there, you don't believe in yourself, you haven't worked on overcoming any limiting beliefs you have, or you're suffering from self-sabotage or whatever it is, right? You're not going to be successful, in my opinion, or you're not going to be as successful as you can and should be and deserve to be. So I personally work on my mindset at least one hour every single day. It's in the morning. It's part of my routine. Without that foundation, my day is like a whirlwind. It's not good. So I'm a big proponent of mindset. You know, I really think it's worth working on. I think it's the foundation of everything you're going to build. Uh, same thing with faith. So for me personally, that has been leaving my corporate job, making multiple six figures and starting a business on my own was literally the biggest leap of faith I've ever taken. And it's the best thing I've done for myself, for my family, for my faith and spiritual life, because I've never looked back. And the people, I just look at my network, the people in my network over the past, so that was almost, oh my gosh, that was almost four years ago that I left corporate. I don't even recognize myself and I don't even recognize my network. And it's been such, like, truly, I believe it is the biggest gift from God that I've been given. And so it's done, I think both are are really important. And I, I think it's worth working on. So many people focus on the revenue, the revenue, the revenue. I think it's well worth focusing on both your mindset and your spiritual life, whatever that looks like for you before going out into entrepreneurship. Because you're gonna you're gonna get knocked down. At least I did. I don't know if you did, Jason. I got knocked down, right? You get kicked in the face. You gotta pick yourself up and you have to keep going. You have to push through fear and keep going. Yep. No, it's really well said. And for those that don't know my journey, 
I quit corporate twice in the first three years of business, building this business were hell. My wife didn't work. You get in some really bad financial situations and people mocked me and teased me and we couldn't go out to eat and we couldn't do stuff. And we had to sell a whole bunch of stuff to make ends meet. But you know what? When people ask me, what are you most thankful for in your journey? It's the struggle, honestly, because without the struggle, it wouldn't make me who I am today. I'm not scared to go back to zero. I'll rebuild it again if I have to, but it, it, it makes you a different animal for sure. And what I've learned is everything is a mindset game, right? If it's a physical challenge and I'm not an endurance athlete, but you talk to these people who've done Ironmans and crazier stuff than that, it always comes back to switching over to a mental challenge at some point. So yeah, even in, op- in entrepreneurship, you know, I came across a limiting belief of my own in uh, last month in March. I didn't realize I had, it was about income. And it was weird because once I, I hit a couple of goals that I'd had, one I thought I'd never hit, but I hit both of them in one month. And I was like deflated. Like I was like, I've reached all my goals. Like now what? And it was really weird. I had like, it was really weird place for like two or three days. And then I had to say, okay, you can do this. It happened way quicker than you thought. So don't ever say, oh, the business isn't ready for that yet because of X, Y, Z, because you really don't know. Stuff can get super crazy for all of us uh, overnight and it may take 10 times longer than you think, but just acknowledging that none of us have any limits, especially for things that are out of our control, like customers or new investors coming in, they could come in in a big wave with no warning and for no reason at any time. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're your own limiting belief, right? Your own limit is whatever is in your mindset. And yeah. I was laughing because I, I literally had a call with someone this morning. So I help people, you know, passively invest in real estate. I also help businesses access the employee retention credit. So I work a lot with B2B and businesses. So I was working with uh, one of the mentors there within that program. And we went over my income goals for that. And he called me out. He's like, you are shooting way too low. Yeah. You need to basically, uh, what was it? Uh, 6X that. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. So I had, I had readjusted my goal. But it is, we, we have to overcome our own limiting beliefs. And just like you said, Jason, it's, it's doing it. And then when we hit it, right, you kind you kind of go back to the table and say, okay, where do I need to, to increase my goals? Yep. What else? Because we stand in our own way all the time. Yep. So I've like snapped out of that funk and I've got new goals for the year now. And I, I do it a few different ways. I look at like monthly revenue, like the average monthly, and then like quarterly gives me a pace. But it's funny because my goal now versus my goal January 1st, completely different basically double, right? And I, I know I'll hit it. I, I know it's going to happen. So just just cool stuff, cool stuff for whoever can help. Yeah. And, and now go out yeah. to dinner, right? What did you say? <laughs> I said, now you can go out to dinner. You said everything oh, yeah. takes a hard time, like making fun of you, right? And, yeah. and people do. I had a girl tell me I was stupid, literally for quitting pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I'm like, so for me, I'm like, well, now I'm going to go crush it. Like, yeah. that's just my mindset. But same with you, right? People saying, oh, you can't go to dinner. Like, what the heck? Look at you. You're like, oh, it's it's what? It's April 17th yeah. based on the recording. And so it's April 17th. And you're saying, hey, I 2X'd my goals for the year. And I know I'm going to hit it. Yeah. Now it's like, well, heck, who's laughing now, right? Because you had the gusto and the courage to go out there and, and take charge of your own life and your own dream. You know, like this, uh, my motivation during those first three years, and I think about it now, was a quote by Frank Sinatra, the best revenge is massive success. So all of those people who said stuff, guess what? None of them say anything now. They say stuff like, can I work for you? What are you into? We're a mysterious group, us here at the Rights. We're 
t-shirts and basketball shorts and drive a 20-year-old car. And people are like, eh, I don't know what these guys are into. And I'm like, we're not selling drugs, I promise. But we do what we want. We live a good life, but we're not flashy about it. It's just our style. So it gives me great comfort to see where we've come from and can't wait to see where we go, you know? Um, have you ever read The Millionaire Next Door? I've heard of it. I have not oh. read it, but I like the concept there. You should read it because the Aki family is the same as the Wright family, apparently, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm in my Camry. My husband's in a Subaru. And if Camry you, too. <laughs> yeah. If, if you read The Millionaire Next Door, yeah. it sounds like your family is The Millionaire Next Door. And it's really cool to read a book and go, oh my gosh, that's us. Yeah. I love it. The cute so people go, go read that. So curious, aren't they? What are they to do? What's going on? Yeah. Good uh, thing. Let me uh, let me ask you. Can you share a story? And I'll change it a bit. Uh, it can be about your entrepreneurial journey or your real estate investing journey that you haven't shared publicly or you haven't shared on another podcast. And it could be anything you want to. It could be something funny. It could be something you learn. It could be a win. Whatever you like. Just looking for a bit of authentic, <laughs> so uncut Angie here. I am people that are here locally may have heard the story, but I haven't shared it on a podcast. So, so I will, I was wholesaling. And so remember when you're wholesaling, you're dealing with distressed situations or distressed properties, right? So I get this lead and I go out to meet this lady at her house in Orlando in East Orlando. It's in a great area. And I'm like, all right, I'll meet you there. And you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's a mixed bag of, you know what? because it's always something. Yeah. So I get there and I was like, what, what is this? The house, like there's no, I mean, there's no water, there's no electric, there's no whatever. And it's on acreage in Orlando. Sounds like it may be favorable. Yeah. It was not favorable. So she had a bunch of dogs in the house that were in there and she would just come check on them a couple of days. I don't know if it was a puppy mill or what, but feces everywhere. Like, every, you could not, you, I mean, you just, you stunned. Breathe the air, can you? Easy. You can't breathe the air. It was awful. So then I'm like, okay, this is good. I've got enough. Let's go outside, right? So we go outside and she's like, let me show you this other building. Let me show you this half empty pool and all this stuff. And there's a freaking goose. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, so this goose is, basically chasing me and i'm like dude your goose is chasing me he's like no no goosey's fine goosey just likes to play so she picks goosey up and oh shit goosey's like man and pecks her right in the lip all of a sudden she's bleeding and i'm like goosey doesn't seem so friendly so she puts goosey down and i'm at this point i'm like this is just gone way south like i need to go i will get my offer to you via text or call or something but it's not going to be here then all of a sudden this stupid goose starts chasing me i threw my purse at this goose and ran to my car <laughs> so that is the light so if you're listening to this and you feel like wholesaling right because it's the fastest path to cash and real estate in my opinion and you feel like it may be right for you ask how quickly you can run away from a goose or how you feel about stepping in feces because that was my life for a couple of years and i still laugh about it it's still funny my family laughs at it every time we see a goose my my like hey mommy remember you told me one time that goose how'd you get your purse back did you have to go back I think she corralled the goose and I ran out and got it. 
what's really funny about this story is my daughter would kill me, but she's uh, her nickname's Goose. I call her Goosey. She'd be humiliated if the world heard that, which it will. We were actually went out to dinner last night for my son's birthday. He's uh, 17 today. And uh, we're coming out by the car. I'm in uh, central Indiana. There's Canadian goose, the nest about 10 feet away. I was like, hey, kids, you want to see a goose get mad? I said, just stare at this goose and watch how mad it gets. It starts hissing, you know, and I'm hissing back. And it starts heading our way. And I was like, they get pretty aggressive. So it's time to get in the car, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I am now terrified of geese. Funny. Yeah, it is not. And do not mail me a stuffed goose thing. (laughs) But yeah, it is. I I am terrified of a piece. So that's my the property sold or what happened to the property? No, I don't know what she did with it. She wanted, right? It's like every seller, they want a million dollars for something that's worth about 10. So, I mean, she probably got it in this recent market. So she probably got it and they maybe bulldozed it. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I hope he's got free and ran away. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully that. And hopefully, I don't know what with the goose, but. All right. So if you talk to somebody new today and they said, hey, Angie, I really want to get started raising capital. What do you suggest I focus on from marketing? What would you tell them? From a raising capital standpoint, I would say, so twofold. Number one is figure out what teams you're going to work with, what operators, what sponsor teams you're going to work with. That is so critical because it's your reputation. You're working, right? So you're working with investors and then you're working with different syndication teams, even if you're a fund manager, right? And you're you're putting those funds into another fund or whatever the case is, you're leaning on a lot of other people's resumes. And so you really want to make sure you're doing the due diligence for that operations team or that sponsor team. How many full cycles have they gone? What? Uh, so I started asking people to send me examples of different communications they sent out to investors or people that they've worked with. So I want to know how they're communicating. How frequently are they communicating? You know, I want to hop on asset management calls. That's a requirement, by the way. So you need to make sure you're doing that. But see if you can hop on some calls before you start working with people to understand how they work with their um, property manager, uh, property management teams and asset management teams. That I think is so important. And then otherwise, tell everyone what you do. So go through your... Rolodex right now. I'm aging myself, but not a real Rolodex. You're fucking right? have them too. Yeah. I mean, hey, I kind of miss it. Um, so go through your your phone, right? Go through your contacts. Who do you know? Who's on your your son's baseball team or soccer team? Who can you talk to? And people say, hey, what do you do? Don't just say, hey, I own a business. People know I help people passively invest in real estate. I can help you invest in an apartment complex by simply by wiring funds or writing a check. So boil it down, practice your 30 second elevator pitch and tell everyone what you do everywhere. Yep. It always makes that's the right way to start. It's an easy way to start. Yeah, it really is because you never know who might, you might talk to somebody who's not ready themselves, but the brother or their parents might be. So yeah. Are you, you might, the network. Yeah. You might talk to someone that's driving a 20 year old Camry, right? Me. But Hey, Maybe they're ready to invest passively, right? So just make sure you're talking to everyone. Join networking groups. I'm a big proponent of networking and building relationships. So get out there. Um, and if there's not a networking event or group you want to join, create your own. Yeah. I host with myself. I have local stuff here. I go to stuff all the time. So just keep talking to people. So are you talking about like a meetup? Is that what you'd call that or something? Yeah. Yeah, a meetup, a meetup or you're on, um, we have Central Florida real estate investors. 
here. So I'm starting an investor club at one of the business clubs I'm uh, a member at. Very nice. So, yeah. If you don't have stuff out there that suits you, then maybe other people are looking for something as well. Create your own meetup. Yeah. Create your own online. I host a women's meetup. Yeah. So I do stuff for investors. And then I do stuff that are that's targeted for women only. Yeah. And it's for female entrepreneurs. So I help people passively invest in real estate, but I also am helping female entrepreneurs in other capacities as well. So I started a female meetup. So it kind of suits both. Nice. Very nice. All right. So uh, you said it earlier. We're April 17th, uh, 2023, as we record this. For anybody listening, I hope your taxes are done. You only have one day left to get those turned in. Uh, what are you focused on for the rest of this year in your business as you look between now and 1231? Where's your focus at? So I have two because I have my business a little segmented. Yep. So from the passive investing side, it's really growing. I spent a lot of last year honing in on operators and sponsor teams that I'm working with. And so the we have deals, right? It's really growing those investor relationships, getting more referrals and growing my investor uh, database. That's my number one focus and doing it in a way that is more organic, more personal, and really connecting with investors. And then the other side is the employee retention credit. So it's more of a business to business marketing, and that is creating referral partners and talking to associations, going to more conferences and things like that to build that referral base. So kind of twofold because it's almost two separate businesses. Yeah. I don't think you'll get bored. No, I, I never do. I know. I always, my husband's like, what What else are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Nothing this year and then something comes up. Yeah. I've got, I've got no off switch as I describe it. So I totally understand. How can our listeners watching or listening get more info from you or learn more about what you're doing? So the best way is to go to ohanainvestmentpartners.com. Go to our website. There's information there. You can sign up as an interested investor. There's articles. You'll see our events there. So everything is there. If you want to reach out to me directly, honestly, the best way is email. You can email me, Angie, at ohanainvestmentpartners.com. And I'll make sure, Jason, that you get some other links and whatnot. But if you're listening and you're like me, I can remember one thing. So just remember ohanainvestmentpartners.com and you'll find me there. Well, thanks for coming on today. This was a blast. I hope it was for you as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. 
If you're an active capital raiser and you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.